You don't look like Tanaka. Shidoshi Tanaka trained me. What's the whole up? He says Senzo Tanaka is his Shidoshi. What's the difference if Bruce Springsteen is a Shidoshi? Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome to another episode of Postalgic. I am your host, Peter. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And for this episode, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Bloodsport, starring Jean-Claude. God damn, he looked good in this movie. It's looking pretty good. <laughs> and returning is Steven over at Screen Addicts. Hey, Steven. Hello, former Kumite champion. Yes, um... Okay, USA. <laughs> That's all I keep okay, saying to you. USA. That's all I got. Yeah, man. That's all so, we need at this point. Yeah. Um, so you were recently on the Howard the Duck episode. So uh, if anyone's missed that, go check that out. We had a lot of fun talking about uh, duck nipples and amongst other things, too. Um, so that was a, a pretty popular episode. I got to say, I feel like a lot of podcasts have put out an episode on Howard the Duck, and yet these are still going. I think people are closet fans. Is the duck condoms? It had to be. <laughs> is is what it is. The unwrapped duck condom. Um, <laughs> yeah. So gross. Uh, but the Kumite, this uh, this blood sport here. Uh, this came out uh, February uh, nineteen eighty eight. Obviously, and um, one thing I like to do on the show. Uh, actually, you know what? Before I get into that, why don't you tell uh, the listeners about Screen X if they've missed you on some of the episodes you've been on before. Absolutely. As mentioned before, I'm part of the Screen Addicts podcast with my fellow cinephiles in crime, Chris and Jeremy, lifelong brethren. And, uh, you know, basically, like I had mentioned before, we uh, have been watching and talking about movies our entire lives. And Chris came up with this idea since we all live in different places. I mean, they still live in Texas and I'm here in Florida. Chris had this great idea of uh, creating a podcast so that way we can at least have a weekly meetup. Every you know every week weekly that is what that means right yeah <laughs> we have a meetup every week and discuss topics on movies and and you know sometimes do reviews of ourselves just so that way we keep in touch and have fun talking about movies and it's just I mean we've been going oh my goodness almost two years now two years strong and we're rounding up to our one hundredth episode and I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing but. I know we're going to be doing something a little bit special. You kind of have to when you hit that centennial mark. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big milestone. So congrats to you guys. Uh, you know, many shows, they don't get to 100. So definitely, you know, a uh, round of applause you know, for, for not killing each other yet at this point. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So definitely check out Screen Addicts. They, they cover a variety of things, you know, TV, movies, um, uh, different types of segments. So a little, little bit of everything for everyone. Um, so Bloodsport, uh, I'd like to take a trip back to when this movie released, talk a little bit about uh, some of the other happenings, um, not events or anything like that, but other movies and, uh, you know, the, the hit at the time. The other movies that came out, the biggest one that weekend was Frantic with Harrison Ford. Mm. Uh, Bloodsport, obviously. Hairspray uh, was the other one. And also not a movie I heard of, but Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon. Oh, okay. you, you know that one? <laughs> I no? that one missed me. Okay, it actually it. Br- but that doesn't have Christian Slater, does it? No, that's something else. Never mind. Uh, let's see here. The cover box has looks like a 
poor man's um oh it's got river phoenix okay. river phoenix right okay yeah i knew it was somebody like that had cool hair and good looks <laughs> well see the thing is I was, I was about to say a poor man's cory hayne because he's got cory hayne hair there <laughs> i don't know river phoenix for that hair but uh that's that's him all right um interesting okay uh the number one song at the time of this movie's release was father figure by george michael Okay. It's a great song. I like it. But after I mean, George Michael. It's George Michael. I mean, we got uh, <laughs> uh Wham, right? Wham. So oh, yeah. it's a it's a great song. I I enjoy it. It's one of my favorites of his, uh you know, at, at least as a solo artist. So that's it for that weekend. Uh that looks like a pretty good year for um, some big hits. Um I usually don't get into like some of the other number ones but right after father figure you got never gonna give you up uh man in the mm. mirror uh get out of my dreams get into my car so it's a, a lot of a lot of great songs that year oh yeah yeah all right so blood sport um a little reminder for those that maybe haven't seen this uh in a while uh the movie is about this um uh u.s army captain named frank dukes he uh, goes to China to participate in an underground secret uh, tournament style full contact uh, uh, tournament called Kumite. And there he meets a, uh, he, he befriends a guy by the name of Ray Jackson, played by uh, <laughs> Donald Gibb. People know, may know him as Ogre from the uh, Revenge of the Nerd movies. Nerds! <laughs> That's his line. And, uh, you know, it's so weird watching him in this because these, I, I feel, are probably like the two properties I know him from. He's like Bloodsport and and uh, the nerd movies. But uh, you also got a very young Forrest Whitaker playing uh, a CID agent. <laughs> and that's pretty much it uh, for the, like, the main cast, I feel. Uh, this movie was also directed by a Newt Arnold, who I'm not very familiar with. Um and that was kind of surprising too. Like I, I felt like it would have been like a more recognizable name for me. But um, Bloodsport, uh, a movie that you enjoyed growing up, there, Stephen. Very much so, growing up, and very much so today. I have always loved Bloodsport. It was uh, part of those wonderful '80s martial arts films that, I guess, if you think about it, stood out a little bit more. Probably because of Warner Brothers' influence on the film and production. So they were able to distribute the film not only domestically but internationally too. And I guess from their perspective, this was uh, one of Van Damme's breakout roles. I know he had done that other one prior to this and he had been in a few kind of smaller roles. Like one of my favorites was No Retreat, No Surrender, where he played Ivan the Russian. And not Ivan the Russian Drago, but just <laughs> another Ivan the Russian. And uh, but this one was really his breakout film and introduced the world to the muscles from Brussels. And yeah, I I love this movie. Holds up still. I completely agree. Uh, and that's why I love about having you on the show, because you have like all these like uh, little production notes as well. I couldn't tell you who distributed this movie or anything like that. But um, this was definitely one of my jams. It's I. I I feel this is probably a lot of people's um, favorite Van Damme movie, if they even like the guy. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> and, and I say movie, you know, I'm not saying like his best performance, you know, like uh, I haven't mm-hmm. seen every single movie of his, but um, I, I feel like one of his best performances was in JCVD, you know, where he plays, mm-hmm. like a, you know, a fictional version of himself. But I like other movies, too. I mean, I kind of like The Quest, you know, because it's basically Bloodsport. <laughs> But worse, and that's uh, his directorial debut. Too. It is, it is. Uh, so you know, <laughs> and it a, shows a bit of a guilty pleasure. You know, guilty pleasure. Sure. I love Tom Cop and all that stuff. So, uh, matter of fact, uh, a couple years back now, I forget when, but I actually did a top five Van Damme movie episode on this podcast. So if anybody wants to check mm-hmm. that out, uh, I did that with a friend of the show, John, over at Project Fandom. That was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's see here. This movie, the other thing, um, not only do I love it, I think it's a great soundtrack too. Like the score, oh, yeah. the Stan Bush song, you know, Fight to Survive. Uh, I feel if anyone that has been listening to this show for a while, you know, you guys may remember last year I did an episode, Top 28 Songs from 80s Movies. I feel like mm. Fight to Survive was one of them. It didn't get very far, but <laughs> um, I think it's still like a super classic 80s song. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole soundtrack, like you said, I mean, it just that the influence of synthesizers were just heavily embedded in this movie. And even whenever it pertained to action or more of the traditional storytelling of the way of the ninja and, you know, his Shidoshi training montages and all that stuff. It's just that sound. It was just such a it's it's definitely embedded in the eighties and, and it's funny cause I guess nowadays they're trying to, it, it's trying to make a resurgence because, you know, you see a lot of movies that are being made with that similar style of sound. And it's just, it's such a heartwarming remembrance. <laughs> it is. And you know what, uh, before we get any further, I, I, I don't know how, you know, I completely miss Bolo Young, you know, mm. as uh Chong Lee, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the the M Bison, you know, in this movie, basically he's the the head boss. You got to mm-hmm. defeat. Uh, the other thing is, like, it's also hard to not bring up like Mortal Kombat. You know, when you talk about Bloodsport as well, clearly mm-hmm. a big influence. You know, Mortal Kombat. It, it it that didn't start the style of like tournament fighting games or anything. I mean, I think Street Fighter, you know, definitely came before that. But mm-hmm. the nature of like the, the the style of the fighting games, I think, was heavily influenced by Bloodsport. I mean. Uh, clearly frank dukes is you know your johnny cage um mm-hmm. down to like everything that he's wearing he even does the the splits right? crotch punch in the vi- in the video game too so it's like well yeah that's definitely frank dukes <laughs> that's it exactly you know then you got like uh, uh and again like street fighter you got like all these different fighters from all different parts of the world but it's it's really weird because i guess for decades people we're like, oh, because, you know, the end credits, you know, you get the caption there, like uh, they're throwing out all these records, you know, that Frank Dukes uh, held in the Kumite and all these things. And I guess in 2012, the writer, uh, Sheldon Littich, he was just all like, oh, yeah, it's all bullshit. Right. So we don't even know what, what was, you know, uh, inspired by or what was, you know, fake or not. And, you know, I think that they debunked, yeah, like you said, they debunked all of his records and his military background. So, I mean, pretty much the whole thing about this guy was just such a farce that it makes you think, well, maybe the production company was just saying all this stuff because 
why i mean they they could lie i mean who's gonna punish them for it like they were trying to spice up the story and the kumite itself you know they talk about how i mean if it's such a secret how can we talk about it but if you remember in the trailer they mentioned something in the trailer um at the very end where they said now we can finally hear frank dukes's story as if the whole thing has been such an underground you know operative that we weren't allowed to talk about and it's just so funny i mean i I think those are just more selling points for the movie but it it is funny to find out that the guy wasn't even real and you hear all these stories like he trained van damme he did the choreography for the movie which you know seems plausible Mm -hmm. like why wouldn't he and 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 the other thing about the choreography it's just it's 80s standard martial arts. There wasn't really anything too difficult. And I mean, there were some some fights where you could tell they took a little bit more time and in, in prep in the fight choreography. But like all Van Damme movies, it's pretty standard. He just swings those big, you know, ballerina legs around and <laughs> talks. It takes people out with one shot, you know, one villain at a time and. But it is funny to hear about that. And it, what's really funny is that we just did an episode on our show where we were talking about films based on a true story. And we questioned the validity of some of these movies. And we were saying, well, what's real and what's not in these movies is is something that happened. And you can tell in some cases, like, for example, Rudy, you know, they're talking about the the Chris met the actual guy Rudy and he talked about yeah he's like a lot of it was true I mean but he also said something about how but Hollywood will always put its shining gloss on something because it, they can take one thing that's true and elevate it by a thousand just mm-hmm. for entertainment purposes and I kind of feel like that with Bloodsport you can tell in some cases where like like the whole thing in his training and his youth. And it's just so funny how they even casted a kid who was French Canadian, you know, just to kind of match his accent and stuff, which, you know, that whole flashback scene, I'm sure we'll get into later. We kind of have to, but kind of do it, it just, you know, all that stuff. It's just so it's so funny when you're watching a movie and I see something. This film is based on a true story. I almost want to call bullshit every single time I see it. I'm like, OK, well, what parts of it were true and what parts are part of the movie? But. Yeah, I completely understand that because like not too long ago, I also uh, reviewed The Hurricane, you know, with Denzel mm. Washington based on a That's true right. story. And that movie, mm. it caught criticism also for some inaccuracies. And, uh, and it, I read somewhere that it probably cost uh, Denzel like an Oscar or two uh, because mm-hmm. of that. But I think it was still a great movie. And I can understand that from a Hollywood standpoint. You know, you want to kind of just make things a little bit uh, spicier or um, mm-hmm. even a little bit more heartfelt and lighter. So the the audience, you know, because that's what the audience likes, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, not not they're not catering to the critics because the critics aren't bringing in the money. Right. Right. And, well, some way they are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but this one, I think, is just crazy with all the all the records and the quote unquote facts that they try to feed you at the very end. If this was so secret, it's like, um, I'm going to make a movie about the Kumite. Like, I know it's a secret, <laughs> right. you guys, but I'm going to go back to the U.S. and share this story. I, I found right. it funny, like in the, um, let's see, when everyone's at the bar the very first time, you know, you got Frank and uh, Ray meeting for the first time and they're playing the video mm-hmm. games. Uh, there was one point the reporter, uh, I forget her name. 
uh, Lee Aries or something. Lee Ayers. Yeah, Janice. She plays That's Janice. Uh, Leah mm-hmm. Ayers. Um, but yeah, Janice, something the like reporter, that. she's like going around asking people like, oh, I know you're here for the Kumite. Can you tell me about it? Like <laughs> everyone's being so secretive. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And like <laughs> right. Ray's playing the arcade game by himself. And then like uh, Frank walks by and he's like, oh, you want a piece of this? And they start playing. And then I think, was it? Frank beats them both rounds, but after that first round, Ray's like, you want to see a real fight? Come watch me at the Kumite. So, like, Ray is out <laughs> right. here in these streets, like, advertising he's a, the Kumite. He's a human billboard for <laughs> yeah. this illegal underground fight. So, let's let's just, um, let's actually just start off with the, the flashback, you know, because the movie starts out with a freaking montage. You know, it, it's not an mm-hmm. 80s movie without a montage, but we start out with one nope. basically just introducing a lot of not key characters really, but you know your key fighters that we're going to be seeing in the upcoming um, events. But it does lead into a flashback. Uh, you know, we get to young Frank. You know, where he meets his uh, Shidoshi uh, Tanaka. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. like the Kumite thing is like in Hong Kong. I guess they just decided that they were gonna um, the the triad. They made it a point to tell us that the triad was gonna allow the Kumite to be held in Kowloon City. When they when they organized it, they yeah. organized it. So it's it's organized by the triad. So that's something that I never remembered as a kid, obviously. Uh, but mm-hmm. that was interesting to see. And I kind of question how Tanaka even knows about this. Like he seems kind of stand up. Like this, I don't feel like this is something that he would have been into himself. So let's just start right. there, I guess, with the uh, the beginning. Well, you know, the opening is probably one of the longest flashbacks I've ever seen in my life. It lasts like the like pretty 16 much the minutes. First, <laughs> yeah. The first quarter of the film is a flashback and um, you know, he, he, and all of that is pretty much in service to the character, Frank Dukes. Like you're trying to introduce who he is, but again, you're trying to wrap up a whole bunch of stuff in just a small minute or in a small area of time. And, it's really interesting how it went from just this punk kid to being a master, if you will, all within 15 minutes. It's it's kind of impressive, but I always loved the training montage of that. And it just looks so cool. But the kid, the ADR in this movie is hilarious because the kid playing young Frank Dukes. I don't know if they didn't like his real voice, but they did a voiceover for him. That is just crazy. He's like, what kind of a deal? He almost <laughs> sounded like good. Tommy Wiseau from yeah. the room. And I'm just like thinking, what? And, and, and the, um, the cap, the, um, Frank's Colonel, I guess, I don't know the captain or whoever it is in charge of him. What do you mean? He's not in the, I mean, it, it's just like the voiceovers are hilarious in this opening montage. And I'm like, man, I'm glad we're not seeing any more of these guys. Cause that was pretty bad, but yeah. And just introduction to Frank Dukes and who he was as a kid and how he got to this level, because you have to understand if this guy is so good to be able to compete in the Kumite, we kind of need to know a little bit of his fighting style and where he learned it and everything like that. And I, it was just really cool. And, and, and they talked about and, – and yeah, like you said, uh, Tanaka wouldn't – he wouldn't give a shit about the Kumite. He's all about tradition and passing on these you know, motions of wisdom to his son who dies, which we never know how. Right. That always drove me nuts. Yeah. He had a son that he was training and he died and it never shows you how. And 
it, it gives you a little bit of the bond that Frank forms with his son. Like they become brothers. He helps him beat up those kids in the parking lot or, or at the school. And it, it was just, okay. So he died. Well, I guess we're not going to get to know how. And then he trains Frank and man, let me tell you, I thought whenever he's pulling him with those ropes, making him do the splits, was scarier than anything Freddy Krueger ever did. <laughs> oh, I agree. It just I mean, painful. It it really did. It, it it looked like you were stretching all kinds of things, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to, to like this, this you're talking about like in the schoolyard where uh, Frank does uh, protect. Uh, I forget the kid's name because we spent so mm-hmm. little time with him. It was just right. a weird ass line for like after he gets saved by Frank, he's just like. Yeah, when I get older, I'm gonna join the Kumite. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna represent yeah. the Chinaka. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna make my father proud. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, buddy, you should have made him proud by beating up those bullies first. And it, that was really funny. Like, what a random thing that would be. Like me getting beat up in third grade, saying, "When I grow up, I'm gonna be a Super Bowl champion." Right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> exactly. so randomly out of place. It really is, and I think uh, you know, like, hey, I'm all about the montages because you get some great mm-hmm. music too, especially oh, in yeah. this movie. I love the like the very serene slow synthesizers and stuff i i dig that Mm -hmm. but i think this movie i i think what we kind of needed was to start off with a young frank you know not in this Mm -hmm. flashback so we can get that relationship with the son and understand why frank wants to do this kumite for the tanaka to represent him so so badly uh because even mr tanaka they try to make it seem like he's old but if that one kid is his son he can't be that <laughs> old like he could right. he should still be able to participate in the kumite himself like he uh maybe not i don't know i, I think i think they he does say something about how he had a family first and oh, that's right lost them during the war so i guess when he he tries to rebuild his life by marrying another, uh, an, an, uh, you know, he meets a new woman and they have a son. So that's probably why his son was so young when he was so old. But yeah, it would have been interesting. Like if the Kumite is so important, because even the kid, how would the kid know about the Kumite if his <laughs> father had never spoken about it before? Because they live in America. It's not like they, you know, he wouldn't know what the Kumite was unless his dad has been training him about or telling him about it saying you need to compete in the kumite when you grow up that's the only reason i'm training you yeah and so if it's so important why didn't you fight in the kumite you know that is a good point i never once thought about that before like why didn't shidoshi tanaka fight in the kumite himself that's a a a prequel in the making (laughs) it it really is because again you know like we get the stat that uh you know within five years frank dukes you know um and well, the, I guess to be fair, like they don't right out say that it's always been like in the Kumite. I'm sure Shidoshi Tanaka has had his chances to go. Like, I want to see that story. Why was it right. important for this other kid? You know, his other his his son, you know, was he teaching uh, the half brother, you know, to fight mm-hmm. the Kumite and then lost his chance? And then this is he just has bad luck, you know, with like, uh, you know, these Japanese kids, I guess, you know, That's so sure. he's got to train the um were they German? Because I know that Frank Dukes' parents were also immigrants. We because we get a little right. scene with them. I I don't know if they outright say where he's from, but I like the actor that plays uh, uh Shidoshi Tanaka, mm-hmm. uh Roy Chow. Chow, yeah, something like that. Chow, but um, I thought he played the character pretty well, but I just didn't buy the whole like 
All right, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you're my only, you're my only hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke. You're my only hope. You're um, only hope. <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, I could have used the uh, a little bit more backstory on on Tanaka and and why that he's gonna be okay in teaching this uh, Frank Dukes, who's just originally he was there and got caught like trying to steal like an ancient what what is the katana like a yeah katana, katana yeah. yeah the sword. And even even I that wasn't scene, going well, to steal it. <laughs> no, I was just putting it back. It fell down. And, and he does. He like slices off the brim of his baseball cat, which was pretty badass. <laughs> he kind of is. It's like, ooh, you didn't flinch. You have a spirit of a fighter. I'm- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you did it so fast, he couldn't even blink. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is that when he's putting the sword back or the katana sword back, the boy runs over to him and whips his ass so quick. Like, without a problem, I'm thinking, well, clearly you're trained. Could you just not fight two bullies, but just one bully? Like, what's your uh, parameter of villains that you could take on at a time? Because it seemed like he could hold his own until, you know, they're in the schoolyard, which I always thought was kind of funny. But to, to be fair, I guess Frank Dukes wasn't a fighter. And then in the schoolyard, That's he's true. got a, he's got a, you know, like what, three, four kids that are beating up on him. Uh, which yeah. they're probably racist because why are you beating on a little Asian kid <laughs> right? who speaks perfectly good English? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Clearly born in the U.S. So uh, that was weird. But the other thing, I guess, that we got to underline here, Frank is, quote unquote, in the army. He's a captain and he is a deserter. We're not going to bat an eye. I mean, that's why we have these CID agents that are just chasing him around in Hong Kong, uh, trying to bring mm-hmm. him back. But that that does not a hero make, you know, being a deserter. I don't know what was going on in 88. I know that's before Clinton. So what was it, Reagan? Probably. Yeah, it had to be. Uh, the actor? Yeah, him. So <laughs> I, I, I don't. Who's Vice President <laughs> Jerry Lewis? Yeah. You, know, you know, the first lady is. Uh, Jane Wyman. There you go. <laughs> Well, you know what? I think he was on furlough because I think he, he was, was going able on to furlough. Leave. Yeah. Okay. This is gonna this this might be a little bit of trivia, but do you remember the film that came out in the '90s called Lionheart with Van Damme? One of my favorites. It, it's also one of those movies where it's somewhat competition driven, where it's underground fighting, and he's trying to win money. The writer of this movie uh, that you had mentioned, Sheldon Latich. He wrote and directed Lionheart, mm-hmm. and in Lionheart, he was a, a part of the French Legionnaire, and he deserted the French Legionnaire there to go help his. I don't know if it was his par, his best friend in the war. Or his, I think it was, yeah, his, think brother it was his brother. Brother was also in it. So he deserted there to go fight in these underground fights to raise some money for his his uh, sister in law and That's his right. niece, and that and. And they send two agents or, or two uh, legionnaire uh, corporals or something to go look for him. And they go look for him as well. So I'm thinking, man, you guys are just pretty much blood sport too, but just different nationalities. And not only that. So that's probably what If I'm not mistaken, I think Van Damme even came out with a movie called Legionnaire. He did. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And that was like his historical war epic because that was uh, that was set in the 40s or something like that that was him trying to act if you will and yeah i forgot all about legionnaire i remember when i saw that there was no um i don't think there was any hand-to-hand combat in that movie just 
a lot of uh, gunplay, which is very disappointing for a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. I'm sure he fights like one or two people, but I remember thinking, okay, that was not nearly enough. But yeah, it seems like they have this this style of making movies where they're just going to like the competition martial arts film, which coincidentally all star Van Damme. Yeah. Hey, if, if the formula works, I guess you can just do it again. That is true. So Lionheart, obviously he re redid Bloodsport with the quest. Um, mm. I'm trying to think uh, what else. I mean, I guess the other, there was another similar story to to Lionheart. Oh, a kickboxer, you know, so that's avenging his brother, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. very similar. Uh, very cookie cutter. This is like a prime example of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because this, uh, I mean, you can look as so far as to go back to something like Enter the Dragon, which predates this movie with the whole competition, you know, martial arts competition. And you have uh, you have your central hero going in there to compete. And Bolo Young it's is very, also in there. Bolo Young. Yeah, he is in that. Right. He, he, and, um, you know, something else that I was thinking, man, my 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 Van Damme knowledge is starting to expand as we're <laughs> thinking. They also did um, Double Impact, oh, right. which was also written and directed by Sheldon Littich. And one of the villains in that is also Bolo Ewing. That's so right. it's like, yeah. Man, they they keep it pretty tight together. But like you said, if you're working with people that are making it work, you keep going because man, I love Double Impact. But luckily, from a from a storyline setting, it's not anything competition martial arts. So that's no, good. it's not. But hey, another movie with a brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, never mind. I take it back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. I enjoy a lot of his movies. Uh, you know, the ones that you just listed, there, there were probably like all the, you know, some of the ones that I even listed in my uh, Van Damme episode. But uh, let's see here. So, so we talked a, l- a little bit about the, the, the Tanaka family and uh, the, the montage in the beginning. So when we do get to Hong Kong, um, I really do like the setting. I do like the setting. Uh, and I even like this other, this cat, this uh, Mr. Uh, Victor Lin, that's supposed to be oh, like yeah. their liaison there while they're there. And he's all like, oh, I'm in charge of like everybody from North America. So what, just the two people? <laughs> like that's Two it. of them, yeah. Yeah, Ken Su. Like, I guess he doesn't do anything else after this. Or uh-huh. at least there's you can't click on his name. Well, it's a real drop the mic performance. You know, I don't think he was ever going to do any better than this. <laughs> he's flawless. <laughs> I like him. He is pretty good. He's good. Yeah. He is fun. And he's like, I always remembered when... Um, they do the dim mock where he breaks the the block or the brick, you know, yeah. which has also oh. been debunked. And <laughs> I always thought it was funny how his like profanity. He's like, "Son of the bitch!" <laughs> like, "Son of the bitch!" I always thought that was so funny how he says that. He's like, "You broke it," you know. He's just so good. But I could see a movie with him, also like a spinoff with Mister Lin, just recruiting fighters for the Kumite. <laughs> I like it. I mean, yeah, his good. character, like, um, I, you know, that Dinmok scene, I, I want to see Mythbusters, you know, yeah. d- debunk that. Like, it's just w- watching it for this review. I remember how cool it was, like, all those times mm-hmm. I watched it. But now, just to be critical, I was just like, how? Like, mm-hmm. scientifically, how, how does one right. do that? Uh, it, th- this is like Jedi Force type right. shit, you or know? The, the five inch punch. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just crazy to see, but I love, like, later on, Ray, you know, he's all like, hey, check this out. You know, uh, keep an eye on that that bottom brick. And then he just breaks the top one. He's like, ah, not a scratch. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then he breaks it over his head. Yeah. 
you know, I don't want to jump ahead too far or anything, but like, what about Ray Jackson played by Donald Gibb? What are the qualifications for an entry into the Kumite? Because it didn't seem like he had any real fighting style other than just being a barroom brawler. I thought, how the hell did Ogre get into this thing? And Man, do they have a vision for him? He is like pro America. It's not even funny. He's got Harley Davidson geese <laughs> on. I mean, yeah. it's just like fights in a Harley Davidson bandana and just sweatpants. It's hilarious. Like I don't know. The way they depict this uh, this American. Okay, the, this is this is the very first time we see one uh, in Hong Kong. They're on a bus. Uh, Frank Dukes is already sitting there. <laughs> You, you got Inter, Ray Jackson. He's got a Harley Davidson um, jacket, I feel. He's got a bandana. Yeah. He's drinking Denim. a Coors, drinking a Coors <laughs> uh, beer, kicks his feet over like the seat in front of him. And he's trying to holler at this, like, I'm assuming, you know, like Chinese woman. He's like, uh, right. uh, what's, what's wrong? I'm too handsome for you? Or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't invite her to go watch him at the Kumite. Right. Yeah. You, you heard about the Kumite? I'm going to be there. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny. Here, here's and, a ticket. <laughs> and of course, he's playing video games. Just such a, you know, brash, just meathead who likes fighting and beer and video games. I it's do like hilarious. the... Uh, I like the exchange between him and, and Frank, too, when they're playing. He's like, uh, aren't you a little bit young to be in the Kumite? He's like, aren't you a little bit old to be playing video games? Like, that's a good yeah. line. I like that. Yeah, that was good. And he's like, okay, we can be friends now. Like, you know? Yeah. And, there you go. Yeah, so it's... since we're in that setting right now, what about the um, – I know this comes a little bit later. Well, maybe maybe it is the same scene, but Hussein, who uh, – yeah. I think it was just a few years ago, I, I realized that he was like Middle Eastern. Like the mm-hmm. headgear, I just never thought about it. Like when I was younger, I just thought he, he looks Asian. He looks like mm-hmm. Filipino, Cambodian. You know, actually, yeah. he, he looks like he looks like my sister-in-law's boyfriend who is Filipino. <laughs> I was like, he looks okay. just like him. And we'd always joke that that's him. But I, I didn't know he's supposed to be Middle, Middle Eastern. I never knew his name was Hussein. But um, we get a bit of a callback to a flashback of this uh, catch the fish, you know, training, you know, mm-hmm. if you will. And. And so they got this uh, coin trick that he he pulls with Hussein, which, by the way, like, I know it's 1988 and they're like fighting over women, uh, a woman, the, the reporter Janice, mm-hmm. or, or, by gambling, you know, with this uh, quarter trick. <laughs> right. But I do appreciate that she takes offense to it. Like, wow, yeah. you know, this is really happening, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm glad that she didn't just like, OK, yeah, let's see who wins. You know what I mean? Jump like, into the <laughs> arms of the winner. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And he was funny. He was like, huh. what did he say? Whenever he's a stupid American or something like that. It's very timely. You know, it's just all these stereotypes are in full force with some of these guys. And I think that he's pretty much the only one outside of Chong Lee that has any dialogue as far as the other competitors go. Because as an introduction to any of the competitors, you just see them in a brief training montage at the beginning of the movie where it's showing all of the the um the the men that will be competing and their styles and that's really it like you don't get any backstory in any of them and i get that i guess because it's not about them but something like a mortal Kombat, they would kind of dive a little deeper into their backstories but mm-hmm. it, it was funny because some of the fighters in that too were pretty interesting you know you had the the monkey style fighter that's just i mean he he was like crawling around on the ground you know just bouncing and doing a great job until he comes up against that 
Oh, I wouldn't say yeah. Like, (laughs) is he sumo? I guess he's sumo because he was pretty. uh, He was pretty built. You know, he was big, and you you think of sumos as, but you know, traditional sumos just kind of being big but not muscly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He could have matched up against Ray Jackson pretty good. I feel. Yeah, that's. You know what's funny too is that I always wondered what would have happened if Ray had to fight Frank. Like, I guess in the in in the theory of competitive sportsmanship that they would eventually fight each other and then kind of have a beer afterwards. You know, I've always said that about you know because what's funny is that um, to tie this into MMA a little bit, I. I, uh, I'm a huge MMA fan and, you know, watching that, I'm like, well, this is essentially like blood sport for a contemporary, you know, spectating and it's legal. And mm-hmm. it's funny. Cause you always see about guys not wanting to fight each other because they train at the same camps. And I'm thinking, well, I'm sorry, but if it's going to get me to the title or if I'm going to, you know, make more money for my family, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, Hey, I don't have any hard feelings about it. We're just going to fight and hang out afterwards. And I always thought about that with Ray and Frank, like, if they had to fight each other, obviously Frank would put him down because he's got no real skills. And but it's all pretty much a big setup for uh, Ray Jackson's brawl against Chong Lee, which, you know, doesn't end very well. A couple of things there. Uh, if you want to see like what, what you're talking about, the the, the the whole deal between like uh, Frank and Ray, they, they made a movie similar to that in Warrior. You know, so check that out, Joel Edgerton and uh, oh, Tom yeah. Hardy. So you got two brothers fighting in MMA. Uh, so that was a, a great watch. But also, I was just thinking about like the 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 Dimmock that we were just talking about here, mm-hmm. this breaking of the brick. How is that useful in a fight? You know, so let let is that uh, some sort of could if Frank and Ray had to fight, could Frank do the Dimmock and? I don't know, break a certain bone by punching somewhere else? Like, can you can you bust his knee by hitting him in the shoulder? <laughs> if, you hit the very, <laughs> if you hit the very top of the skull, his legs will break, <laughs> rendering him obsolete. <laughs> I don't know. That is a good point. It's almost as if that was just something Tanaka did as a bar trick when he was wasted or something. I don't know. But it serves no purpose in a fight. And here's another question. Okay, so the um, you mentioned how Hussein called him uh, called Frank like a dumb American, but he's not. He is from America. He is in the U.S. Army, but he is not American. He's mm-hmm. also there representing the Tanaka clan. Again, not right. American. Right. So shouldn't he be there, maybe representing Japan? Like how how does that work? I, I don't know, because if you look at the guy, you don't see American, obviously, because no. his accent and anything. So I, that is a good point, because even when he shows up to the Kumite, to, I mean, that's how he has to prove his training style because of the dim mock. But when he shows up, they're like, you. it says you fight for Tanaka. You don't look Tanaka. I'm like, you don't right. look American <laughs> either. So it's just like a big a national identity crisis going on with Frank Dukes. Also, I think that Frank Dukes, I, I, as far as what I can tell, I mean, it's hard to tell with all the things being debunked, but like he was straight American. So mm-hmm. I think with the fact that you have Jean-Claude Van Damme playing him, it kind of throws it off a little bit. Like you right. have to assume that he's French American and, you know, like he's a family of immigrants or something that came over to America and then, he became a citizen and then 
he trained in um you know it's funny because us just watching the olympics this last few weeks i saw a lot of that type of uh situations where there were a lot of people representing countries that weren't of that nationality and i noticed that quite a bit and i said well yeah i guess whenever you uh cross blend ethnicities and they grow up in a certain country that's their nationality regardless right. of what you may assume who they are or who they're from like uh you can have someone from japan uh, rep- rep- uh representing the american team because they're japanese american or you can have an american on a german team because that's probably where they grew up maybe because of the army or something and it's just so funny how you see that happening and i kind of thought about that or i'm thinking about that with blood sport like he's french but maybe he grew up in america but get back to the point that you were saying that the guy is calling him out as stupid American. Like the guy wouldn't know he was American right. just talking to him, but I don't know. Maybe just cause Ray's there or something or no, is Ray Jackson. Yeah. Ray? Yeah. yeah Ray, Ray is all like, what are you doing, Frank? Like, I, you know, he, he's like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> basically he's doubting like, you know, like he, because we, we don't even know this trick. We just know that apparently he can maybe catch a fish. I mean, we see right. Tanaka do it. We, we actually don't see Frank do it. But it's right. just one of those like wax on wax off moments, you know, like, sure. oh, this is something I teach you. Um, hey, can I tell you how much I I mean, you end up really liking Ray Jackson as a character because, yes, he is a little <laughs> meatheadish, but he's also really endearing because he's a big fan of Frank. <laughs> like when Frank knocks that guy, out, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, did you see that? He knocked him out. He just broke the world record, you know, just on his first fan. fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he does the little coin trick out of the hand, he's like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? I'm so impressed. It was just so funny. He really is. He's like a cheerleader. Right. And Ray is essentially the audience watching it because we're just like, oh my gosh, that's so cool that he did that. But uh, I just love that. <laughs> you, you're right. I, I really do enjoy uh, Ogre. You know, he's uh, pr- pretty good here. Uh, the reporter Janice. So she's in Hong Kong to find out more about the Kumite because it's so secretive. Why didn't mm-hmm. she just go to Ray, who is? It sounds like he would just tell everybody uh, all about it. You know how for free too. Yeah, he'll end up there. She doesn't have to like take him to dinner or anything. But um, <laughs> I found it very interesting that uh, you know she talks with Frank. You know, she has the dinner and she's like, I just want to know. He's like, no, you know, I, I can't tell you, you know, I can't get you in. And then like the next day she shows up with like one of the other gamblers. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, I don't know, she, I guess she didn't know how barbaric it was, you know. Yeah. Uh, but even after like the first few fights, she was on board. It wasn't until like Frank was going up against Chong Lee. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was like after the second day where she's just like, oh, I don't want him to die. You know, right. against, against his other guy. So I don't know. I I didn't feel like she was necessary. And how did she get the contact information for the, uh, the inspector? Army, for, yeah, <laughs> for the or for him and for uh, Forrest Whitaker and and the other guy. Like, where did she find these guys? Like, how did she even know to look for these guys? I guess her thing as a reporter, she did research or something. But I just thought that was funny. Well, no, they they found him right in the hotel. Because they uh, approach him in the hotel. So maybe she just kind of crossed. I don't know. It just seems a lot of that was a little far-fetched. But 
yeah, and, and, to, and, and to answer your question as to why she didn't just go to Ray, because the pretty blonde has got to be on the arm <laughs> of Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, did you see his butt? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. I mean, clearly I would have done the same thing, which, by the <laughs> right. way, recent, recently uh, I did uh, Cruel Intentions with Ryan mm. Phillippe, and, uh, and we, we kind of talked about his butt a little bit on the episode, and... So I tweeted at him. It's like, hey, inquiring minds want to know, you know, is it, was that your butt? And he actually replied that it was. And that's um, awesome. I wonder if Van Damme will do the same. I, I'm going to have to tweet at him after after we record here. He might send you a picture. He's like, this is my butt today. Looks the same. <laughs> right. You know, he'll like, I mean, first off, he could be like, clearly it's me because that shot, you know, it's him. But, you know, yeah. I, I think oh, I wonder if he'd humor me. But he'd be like, here, here compare it to uh, today. <laughs> it is the same. Yeah. And because, you know, that was his one of his claim to fame is his physique. So in all of his movies, he had no issue showing anything. He would probably show you everything if they let him. But oh, yeah. He, he was know. never about all that. But, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, the fighting. I What I like about this is, you know, I'm not familiar with the director at all. The budget was very low, but it brought in a lot of money, uh, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I like the, the fighting. Like, um. I feel it was well choreographed and well shot and edited that when they do a lot of the slow-mos, you can see that they actually kind of do make contact. So I I, I don't think they're actually really fighting, but I think like the, the staging of it, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the time, that's, you know, that was kind of the standard for martial arts films. And there was a lot of cool stuff in there, like the the monkey style is what I call it, because I guess it's like capoeira, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I want to no, say it's something like that. More Brazilian. No, I feel like this is like an African martial arts. Yeah. Oh, you know, something that I just thought of that Sheldon Latich also directed that movie, Only the Strong with oh, Mark Dacascos. I that's capoeira. Yes. And I, I love that movie, and I'm so surprised he made something without Van Damme, but I don't know. I'm sorry to go off on that. I just love that movie, but the, the styles represented it there, and, and I guess that was part of their responsibility of trying to distinguish each fighter with his own style, because you had Muay Thai, and you had Sumo, and you had this and that, and I thought they blended it pretty well as far as each style goes. You know, you had Kung Fu and Karate, and I mean – it's kind of difficult to to create a um a movie showcasing each one of those. You know, I was just thinking of this Donnie Yen movie that I saw not too long ago called Kung Fu Killer, where this guy is seeking out all of these um, masters in their respective style. And so when he fights them, he fights them in their own style. Hmm. And each fight looks completely different. And it's amazing. And when I watched that, I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Bloodsport, how – I mean, granted, the choreography today is a lot better than it was back then. But back then, I was like, you know, now that I think about it, they did pretty well showcasing each of those, you know, particular styles. Yeah, they did a really good job. I mean, I especially like the the Muay Thai fighter, even though he doesn't look Thai. I mean, it could be Mm -hmm. one of those things like he's probably French, you know, yeah, (laughs) or Latin American or something, but he grew up in Thailand. But um, I think I like him and he stands out just because he's like the one that sucker punches Frank. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I just love that slow-mo where they're taking turns kicking each other like 20 times. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And and, then Frank is like really just uh, taunting him. Come on, come Mm -hmm. on. Like I I love that. That's one of my favorite uh, fights. It Um, it gets pumped up. The the other thing, like not only does that Thai fighter not look Thai, you got Chong Lee, (laughs) who's Chinese, at least the actor, but he's mm-hmm. he's Korean. Like I never noticed that before because like uh, his 
the um, his right hand man there, that the guy that gives him the slips him the the pill later, he, he's oh, wearing yeah. like a like a blue sweater with a um, Korean flag on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I feel like Chong Lee isn't. Hey, but I don't. I'm not Korean, but I don't feel like that's a Korean name. That does yeah. sound more like Chinese. Yeah, I don't know. I and I guess it's also attributed to the all white writers. So maybe oh, sure. they, like, they people aren't going to know the difference, right? It's kind of one of those somewhat. <laughs> you know, I know they weren't probably setting out to be disrespectful in that manner, but it's like you said, like who's going to know the difference? You know, when they were writing the script, that's probably their mentality that they took. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Let's let's talk about the the, the last fight here uh, mm-hmm. against Chong Li, which again, kind of like how the movie opens up with this really long montage and flashback. Mm-hmm. You get this like long drawn out fight, uh, which is great. Most of it is in slow mo because Chong Li he blinds Frank with like you know this. Uh, I, I thought it was like sand. Wait, doesn't mm-hmm. he say it's sand? Well, I don't know because it's in a little round tablet form, so it's right. almost like some kind of chalk or. Something, yeah, it, it it's really weird because he he grinds it up in his fingers, and I I don't know because sand wouldn't essentially blind you like that because going to the beach yeah I get sand kicked in the face mm-hmm. and I can you know I'm not <laughs> <laughs> it's swinging at the air <laughs> yeah and then I go jump in the water or something <laughs> but uh but I think it's some kind of uh, like blinding agent or something. They don't again specify, but I like the idea that it might be like some sort of chalk, especially like, well, I mean, maybe for like filming purposes, they might've used chalk because of the way it looks, you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I, and, and that's one of the things like, it's a great scene, but mm-hmm. we, we got a little bit of a callback from, you know, like a, one of his trainings where I guess he has to kind of set this table blindfolded, which yeah, that's that's one of the worst training methods I feel to <laughs> right. to prepare somebody to fight, uh, you know, blinded, you know, sight unseen. Sure. But I think it still works. But uh, you know, he has to use his hearing and his touching uh, to fight. I feel like Chong Lee should have just kicked his ass when he was sitting down meditating. <laughs> like, right. Like, why was he just <laughs> not going on to him? Because he was fully aggressive with. Everyone else he competed, like overly aggressive. He even had the judges or the, the the referees at the top just turn their backs on him because of his brutal, unrelenting nature and his style of fighting. But then, yeah, he finally gets the upper hand on Frank and then he does absolutely nothing to him. And I don't know. He's like waving his drumming hands around like he does. And um, as far as the training with him being blindfolded, I was fully impressed. I tried to set up my equipment here blindfolded. Couldn't do it. So <laughs> you, you are just a need method to... podcaster, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I needed my Shidoshi to show me how to set up. Yeah. The more but, we talk about uh, yeah, Shidoshi Tanaka, I want to see the prequel. You know, perhaps he did. You know, as a young man, uh, you know, uh, participated in the Kumite and just lost flat out. Yeah. And, you know, he just wants to come back. Um, but just the way that like the little bit we get, we it, it just doesn't sound like that was something that he was into. It, it was more like right. his son. Like uh, right. he, he read about it on the dark webs. Ooh, Kumite. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to exactly. make my dad proud. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in that, that final fight, it, it's really it, – it's somewhat one-sided, which is odd because – you know, they, they build Chong Lee up to be this just indestructible foe. Even the great Ray Jackson couldn't best him. And 
Frank pretty much has his way with him until he's temporarily blind. And then, you know, he's like throwing him across the ring and the way that the ring is shaped at those angles where they put up those posts on the ring, I always thought was so weird because it's like how from a fight, well, I guess it allows you to work against your style because if you need to be based and flat footed, it's hard whenever your leg is hoisted up at an angle. So you're not, I don't know. I, I, that was just one of my little things, but yeah. And then of course, Frank remembers his blindfold teachings and well, you know, there, there, he does teach him how to fight blindfolded. Cause he, there was a, a little bit of montage where he's like swing, you know, he, he does teach him how to fight blindfolded, but that whole setting up the T thing was just like, Oh, look how cool this is, you know? And then he, he throws that, that punch and he blocks it and stuff. But which is exactly what he does when Chong Lee tries to kick him. And then, you know, eventually he makes him say, Matei. Matei. Kum Matei. Uh, Matei. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I didn't say Matei. I said Kum Matei. Um, yeah, I know. He's like, I still wanted to fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't give up. Um, the, the platform thing always, like, I always thought it looked cool. But, I mean, but you're absolutely right. Like, how... I think it's to throw kind of people off. And so like the, the best fighter will overcome that. Sure. Um, but I, I never noticed it before, but there's actually a dropped line by the, one of the judges, you know, prepare the platform. And so, right. yeah, they, they change it just for this one fight, but the, for the final fight, for and the I final thought, well, fight, why but didn't they, they, they do nothing with it though. Right. I mean, it was, it just allowed him to kind of dive and roll a lot easier and, I don't know. It was, it was, it was funny. I was like, well, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't prepare the Kumite matches. So therefore yeah. I wouldn't know oh, why that would happen. Speaking of working for the Kumite, what about the cat that like stole the little piece of a gold tooth <laughs> as if nobody was going to fucking see him? Like, notice. dude, you're, there's all these spectators. It, yeah. He puts it in his mouth. I'm like, that just came out of that bleeding mouth. And he's like, are putting it in your mouth to check to see if it's real gold. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's real gold. It was just so like I don't know. And and I like how that guy, he's in the whole movie. It's funny because right. at the very beginning he's sweeping off the the mat preparing for the kumite and and he's all just wiping the blood off of the ground and every or off of the mat and stuff and Oh, that just zoom in shot of him putting that bloody golden tooth in his mouth is just that was nastier than the dude's bone coming out of his shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I got to give credit to the set designer, you know, because mm-hmm. if you think about like the very first blood splatter and then like mm-hmm. the end of the, uh, you know, towards the end of the tournament, those blood, they, they fade more. They're more muted and stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I do like that. It looks like they put a lot of time into that. You know, I love the the sound effects, too, because it, it has that great 80s, the all those great little Foley effects when, you know, you're walking on the mat. You can hear it. You can hear the just brushing of the feet on the mat. It just it had that such a unique sound. And you don't really hear that in movies anymore. And. Um, because it, it, from an audio sync perspective, you had to mix in the dialogue versus what 
because those boom mics back in the eighties, they were picking up everything. So you were intentionally using them to capture dialogue, but then you would actually capture everything around it. Like the way your hands were moving and the way your feet would brush across the mat. I just love that 80s sound, not to mention the punching. I love the punching sounds that old Indiana Jones esque, (laughs) where you're breaking cabbage, you know, and the recording of breaking cabbage, just that, I don't know that just fun, just chop sound. I just love that sound. And they don't use that anymore. They use kind of more of a realistic sound, which is fine, I guess, but I don't know. I just love that old loud punching and kicking sound. Yeah. This, you you know, I watched um, my Blu-ray version. It still looks Mm -hmm. amazing. You know, the, Mm -hmm. um, the updated version of it. I am a little, you know, salty that it doesn't come with any special features. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. even tried looking on YouTube to see if there's any kind of featurettes, but there's nothing available. And uh, I wish there was, you know, commentary or something. Um, That's how secretive the whole project was. It, it, it was, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's probably not even called the Kumite. You know, they, they changed the yeah. name of the tournament to protect the innocent. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's what That's it is. True. And so that way, uh, Frank Dukes can never, you know, no one's going to come after him. Right. Because it's like maybe Frank Dukes has been telling us the truth this whole time and they're debunking him to yeah. to hide the real to protect, Kumite. Yeah, the real Kumite. I, I think we're <laughs> onto something here. Uh, but yeah, the very end, you know, he finally, you know, he's been telling the, uh, Forrest Whitaker and the other gentleman here the entire time, like, look, just until the end of the Kumite, they allow him to fight in the last fight. Cause at this point, what's the big deal, but they should have right, just might as well, might as well. I mean, I don't know if that was necessarily needed, um, because you just added a couple of characters that have been chasing him around. Uh, there could have been something else, you know, maybe, you know, there's, there's this big rule where you can't fight outside the tournament. Who's going to know, you know, right. uh, I don't think anybody's really observing, but maybe there could have been something where they're like, oh, you're you're not, you know, you claim Tanaka, but, you know, I'm Japanese and, uh, you know, I take offense. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a, a, a guy that's chasing him around there giving him a hard time. I don't know. Yeah. So I know that there was a remake um, like uh, in the. I don't know if it's in the works, but there was a talk of a remake like some time back where Van Damme was like, yeah, I want to be in it. And they're like, no. <laughs> um, but I th- They made a couple of those uh, direct-to-DVD sequels, though. Yeah. Because you had Bloodsport 2 and 3. And, and the actor four. playing him – Yeah, and 4. The actor playing him was this guy named Daniel Bernhardt or Barnhart. Mm-hmm. And he um, – he was kind of a guy that looked a lot like Van Damme and in, in, yeah. f- in physique and look. And, you know, he, he, I don't think he played Frank. I don't think it was Frank Dukes is who he was playing. He played a new character, but similar storyline. And it's funny. Cause I still see that guy working today. Like he was in John wick. He was one of the huh. main bosses. He had a fight in John wick. So it's like really cool seeing I'm like, Hey, it's uh Frank Dukes 2.0. Right. Like I always see him and stuff and it's really cool. But yeah, those obviously didn't <laughs> take off as well. But did you see any of those? Did you see? I did. Which ones? I, I, wa- I watched two and three. I forgot about part four. I, I know I've seen part four, but I just don't remember it because there's nothing really memorable about them. It's like kind of the kickboxer sequels. You know, I know mm-hmm. I like Sasha Mitchell and all, but mm. some of those sequels were just like, well, I'm not personally. He's okay. kind of a he's an asshole. But I met in those movies, and and at the time. Uh, you know, you didn't know he was beating up his wife and stuff. But at the time, I just remembered him as, oh, Cody from Step by Step is going to be in Kickboxer. That's kind of interesting. And, and you know, they're, they're from a movie standpoint, they're okay. But Bloodsport wasn't, it was a lot, I, I think, a lot worse than those because 
it was just basically each movie was the same thing. Just, Oh, competing at the Kumite or this event and this and that. But I wouldn't really waste my time on them when you could just watch the original again. Yeah. Um, Sasha Mitchell was like another one of those characters that was kind of like, uh, Donald Gibb here, you know, where, yeah. you know, like we knew him as Cody, cousin Cody, who lives in a van, you know, and all of a sudden right. he's like a kickboxer and he's like a normal yeah. dude. Um, I, I did look up the, the Bloodsport sequels. I never watched them, uh, any of them, mm-hmm. but two and three, Daniel Bernhardt, he plays like an Alex something. And then in the mm-hmm. fourth movie, I guess he's like an undercover cop and he has a different name. So right. I think they were just, it, it's like, you know, Thai movies that none of them are actually, actually related, but they all have the same title because it's the actor. Sure. I feel like right. that's what they did with part four, uh, but they did come out with a lady Bloodsport. Was it? Oh yeah. So I, I do want to check that out. And matter of fact, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get Mike over at original remake to uh, do Bloodsport and Lady Bloodsport. As That'd an be awesome. Well, you know, is because I, I saw something on uh, Netflix that was Lady Blood Fight. Oh, I, that's I, what it is. Lady, is Blood that Fight. the same thing? Yeah, okay. she uh, she goes to Hong Kong, and uh, I think there's a tournament. I haven't seen it. Um, right. And, and she, I think somebody trains her for the fight. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. yeah, it's, it's like the same thing. Yeah, that's on my queue. I was I was curious about that because I saw the title and I saw the plot synopsis and I'm like, are they trying to like remake Bloodsport without remaking it and with a female star? And I was reading. I'm like, yeah, I guess they are. So I, I, I really want to see it. And after talking about Bloodsport, <laughs> you know, this time, I, I'm definitely going to go watch that. You know, I was also thinking of uh, you remember Best of the Best, right? And, uh, vaguely it well, was way if, too early for me sure and well philip ree who plays tommy lee in those movies he's the main character and they made like five best of the best movies but tommy lee was in every single one of them so it's kind of like you can go on those little journeys a little bit better because it, it, it's it's um if you keep the same actor, it, it's a little easier to digest these sequels and the same mm. thing with uh don the dragon wilson with mm-hmm. um, what was the all of those movies he did? The not American, American Kickbox. Oh no, what that's was, actually that's what I was thinking. Uh, um, that was Michael Dudikoff, and then he did American Ninja. Like all those movies, you mm-hmm. know, a uh, Blood Fist, the Blood Fist movies. Like Don Dra- Don the Dragon Wilson made like six Blood Fist movies, and all of them are pretty much the same thing. But I think if Van Damme wanted to go back and do blood sports sequels. Didn't you mention something that he wanted to do it or do you know why he didn't? Because uh, he wanted to be in the remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That that's all I know. But I mean, he essentially made, you know, blood sport two with uh quest. Right. Know, quest. And Lionheart. And was Lionheart another... Essentially. Yeah. With the, with the mullet there. Cause he went back and did that kickboxer vengeance. He, he came back to do that. The remake of Kickboxer, which I mean, it wasn't very good, but hey, at least Van Damme was a part of it, I guess. But yeah, I think um, with this Lady Blood fight, I think that's the way to go. You know, you don't call it Lady Bloodsport and just right. throw in a woman. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 change the title and the story's the same. And if it's enjoyable, it's like, hey, this is actually pretty good. It's kind of like Bloodsport. You know, you can say that. True. I often uh, use the example of like Point Break. They changed it a little way too much in my opinion and then mm-hmm. they kept the name and you're just like why right like, this is stupid it's kind of like hardball that essentially is a remake of the bad news bears with keanu reeves mm-hmm. when you think about it it's basically a remake of without saying it's the bad news bears you know 
but yeah, they, they could disguise some of these things a little bit better. But those direct-to-DVD sequels, they, those some of those are a little bit brutal to get through, like Blood Sports. Yeah, right. so I'll definitely check out the the Lady Blood Fist myself. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much it. We already talked about like the the fake credits at the end. That's you know fake news that they put on at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> Fastest knockout. What was it? Point twelve seconds. I, I was like, can oh, the right. human body even move that fast? I I don't know. This was one of them, but I definitely read this in Wikipedia. But uh, his fastest kick was like seventy two miles per hour. How right. do you know that? <laughs> Did somebody have like the the speed a radar? You know, I guess or a radar gun moving his leg or something. I don't know. It's silly. It really is. Um, all right. So what I would like to do is pull up the uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and see what the what scores they gave it. And uh, let's talk about those a little bit. On Rotten Tomato, uh, it's rotten, thirty three percent. No surprise there. A little a little low in my opinion. Like I, I felt like it would have been a little bit higher. But mm-hmm. clearly, I mean, he was nominated for a Razzie, so critics sure. didn't like it. Uh, on IMDb, six point eight. So that's actually surprising. That that's a little higher, but mm-hmm. I like that. I, I think I think a lot of people like this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to run into a lot with these types of films, especially you know martial arts '80s films, or just a lot of '80s films in general that were pretty much overlooked by the critics or lauded by the critics. They're still fan favorites to a lot of people like Howard the Duck. You know, that was a perfect Mm -hmm. example of that, you know, critically reviled, but Hey, we loved it. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So that wraps up our review here for the 30th anniversary of Bloodsport. Uh, Steven, I want to thank you as always. It's always a joy to have you on here. It sounded like uh, you're going to be coming back for some, some more movies because we just threw out some other titles here that got me a little excited. And, yeah. and, and not only that, there was a movie that we kind of teased in the Howard the Duck episode that we uh, ended up not doing due to um, scheduling conflict or conflicting schedules uh, that you know I still definitely want to do. But uh, oh, yeah. again, for the listeners that haven't checked out Screen Addicts, can you tell them like where uh, they can find uh, your guys' show and an episode that they can uh, start off with? Oh yeah, we um we are on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on all all the wonderful pod casting platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram you know you can always follow us there and uh, especially in twitter we love twitter it's at screen underscore addicts a d d i c s somebody's took the addicts with the t and we're trying to work something out (laughs) with them but you know we always have our links there for all of our previous episodes and of course apple podcast is great you know they keep us our catalog there for whenever you want to listen to previous episodes or new episodes and um you know recommending any episode you know any episode's good I, i i think that we keep the same pace and energy and enthusiasm. Definitely the enthusiasm's high on every single one of them. Um, we just did one uh, last week and we'll be recording a new one tonight, as a matter of fact. So um, just be on the lookout for all that. All right. And if you guys enjoyed Steven and haven't heard him before, he was on Howard the Duck. And also we played uh, the movie game. So check that mm-hmm. out. Those were a lot of fun. We got some uh, a lot of feedback for both episodes, actually. So um 
so clearly it's a guest uh, there. I, I want a rematch, by the way. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Uh, It'll be like Chong Lee versus Frank Dukes. <laughs> there you go. Um, so a couple uh, reviews I want to read real quick before getting into um, my contacts. But uh, a couple old, older reviews I never got a chance to read. Got one from a Film Rose podcast. So friends of the show, uh, Hannah, who has been on this episode or this podcast a number of times uh, to include Wonder Woman. Uh, she was also on Aladdin. Um, but uh, the title here nostalgia at its best five stars peter is such a fun entertaining host not only is he a great discussion guy but he can share little bits about the films that always keep me interested i love following his convos and he always picks movies that i love the show is really well produced and i love that he supports other film podcasts check this guy out right now in all caps so thank you ladies over at the film roast so check them out a bunch of hilarious ladies hannah and julia they do a great show over there as well uh, the other review I got is from Nerds with Words. Uh, says, great podcast, five stars. Great host, check. Great movie discussion, check. Funny, check. Unique movie reviews, check. What more do you need? Subscribe now. So I appreciate that. And I've never heard anyone say that I'm funny. So I so I, thank you. <laughs> I like that. You know, I, I feel like I throw out a lot of dad jokes and stuff. So um, it's nice to hear somebody thinks I'm funny. Dad jokes are the best. So, yes, Aren't I they? think you're hilarious as well. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. All right. So <laughs> if anybody wants to uh, interact with me, I am on Instagram and Twitter at Podstalgic. Very easy to find. You can also find other contents of mine over at CourtTempArts.com or FollowingFilms.com. I do original remake. We got five. Even the Back to the Future, the animated series podcast, which uh, we don't put out um, – an episode regularly enough but it is there and we are not canceled um <laughs> and also you know the reviews i read it really helps out the show uh please consider leaving an itunes review check out if you check out screen addicts um leave them one as well they work really hard at what they do uh but yeah um steven will be back in the future that is a promise and um I think that will do it. So thank you guys, uh, as always, for your continued support. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you later. My body's ready. My heart's on fire. I'm gonna push it over the wire. Perfect timing. Tired as a drum. Your final battle's already won. I'm taking hold of every moment. Giving strength. Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.